helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now, here is your host, Ken Coleman. We are broadcasting from the Music City, and we're thankful for the download and for your ears. Here's what we got coming up this episode. If you watch Shark Tank, the big-time hit on NBC, well, you know who Damon John is. Been on the show for a while, and uh, he's a mainstay of the Sharks, if you will. And he's got a new book out called Power of Broke. We're really excited to get him on here because, again, he really represents this idea that we are always talking about, this small businessman and woman who start from scratch. And, of course, you know Dave Ramsey started from a card table in his living room. Damon John, as you'll hear in the conversation, started on the streets. It's a fantastic story. And I think you're going to be really inspired here, so we're really excited about that conversation. And then you're going to hear from Dave as we continue to bring you the audiobook excerpts from the number one New York Times bestselling book, Entree Leadership. This particular excerpt we're going to give you is Dave reading from the book, Chapter 5, on the Momentum Theorem. And we've got a brand new webinar we're excited to tell you about. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the podcast. And of course, this is all brought to you by our friends at Infusionsoft. They want to serve you, the small business man and woman. Infusionsoft.com slash entree. Infusionsoft.com slash entree to get connected with them. They've got a lot of great free resources. And boy, oh boy, I, uh, I'm privy to what they're planning. They're going to be giving a lot of goodies away that are practical tools to help you win in business. That's all coming very soon. That's all I can say. But in the meantime, check them out, infusionsoft.com slash entree. So let's get right to it. Damon John, our feature conversation. Here it is. Well, Damon, uh, I think a lot of people would love to hear your story about how it all gets started long before Shark Tank and and all the other great things you've done. Uh, What struck me in doing some research on the book is that it really all starts selling home-sewn hats on the streets of Queens. And anybody knows that wonderful place in America, what great culture that is. But you did it with no backing and 40 bucks. How did that happen? Well, I mean, you know, initially I had this love for this amazing music called hip-hop, and everybody thought it was going to be a fad or something like that. And I started to try to buy products and clothing that really matched the lifestyle, and we'd find something here and something there. But I needed to find a brand that really supported us. And we can never find brands support us. Designers, we would hear say, oh, well, we don't like uh, hip-hop kids wearing our stuff and those type of things. So what I did was I was watching the video at the time. I mean, that was our version of Instagram when we would get a picture or an image of what these music artists were wearing. I went out and I tried to find this hat that I saw in the video, and I couldn't find the hat anywhere in Queens. I finally found it uptown Manhattan. I come home. I showed the hat to my mother. I tell my mother, look at this hat. I paid, uh, you know, like $6 in gas and a bunch of money in tolls and $20 for the hat. And she said, are you crazy? <laughs> Why would you go spend $20 for a hat like that when you can uh, make them? And she said, go get two twenties and go to the store and give me some fabric and I'm going to show you how to sew hats just like that. And I, so I remember standing out in the corner in 1989, Good Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was about 37 degrees outside at a small mall named the Coliseum Mall. And I sold about eight hundred dollars in hats, and that was when it just I just realized that wow, I can empower myself, and it only took forty dollars. Wow! So, Damon, what I love about your story is that you just went out and you made it happen, and your mother kind of saying, "Hey, we can make this." I mean, you didn't have any kind of support or infrastructure, and it happened. And so many people are scared to start things until they have everything lined up perfectly. 
And your story, your book, shatter that myth. Why is it that we think we have to have everything lined up beautifully to be able to make something happen? I think that's human nature. We go and we always see these great images of everybody who finally opened their store and their store is beautiful, beautiful chandelier and everything looks great. Or, or we see these images of this person who's finally arrived. We don't realize that, as my friend Robert Hershevik always says, that every overnight success has taken 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that nothing is ever going to be perfect. It's kind of like <laughs> uh, raising a child. Like, you know, it, it, any of us as parents think that no matter how many times around the world, everybody can give you a blueprint on raising a child, but it's never going to be the same blueprint. But we figure it out. The baby doesn't come along and everything's just perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And people think that that's the same thing in business, that you're going to go and get a loan, you're going to set up a shop, the customers are already going to be there, and it's never going to be like that. Mm. I love chapter two title of this book, Rise and Grind. And uh, two powerful little words, you know, uh, very simple but very powerful. And uh, there's something to that formula. What about you allowed you to do that and continue to do that? Was that something you saw modeled in in maybe your mother or your father? Is it something you had to learn along the way? When did that click for you? Uh, That's a good question. I think that, you know, growing up with a father who came from the island of Trinidad and he came over here at 16 with little to nothing in his pockets, and he worked every single day and bringing his other six siblings over here. And then seeing my mother work, and my mother and father worked as really a great partnership. One would go to school, one would work at the same time. They both worked two, three jobs. And the work ethic was just amazing. And I, and I really believe that that's what this country was founded off of. And I believe that that's how we got to where we are today, where, you know, we have this strong work ethic. I mean, I think that um, some images we see on TV where, you know, a music video guy, a girl wakes up broken, and three and a half minutes later, they're they're rich. I think that that is uh, that's portraying something that's not realistic. And every single person I know, no matter what level of business they're in or level of success, they get up and they work and they concentrate on things every single day from the minute it starts. And that's just always been in my blood that I have to get up every single day and work harder to beat everybody else who's trying to kick my butt. Mm, I love that. You know, Damon, one of the things I want you to speak to is something that I have found that so many successful people have figured out how to manage a tension that exists for everybody. And that's this idea that you got to get up every day and persist. But you have to be patient, too. And you've referred to this idea that, you know, success doesn't happen overnight a few times. But there is a tremendous tension there, specifically for people who are wired to achieve folks who are ambitious, who have a vision. And for you, how have you managed that tension between I got to get up and persist uh, and I got to go hard, but I also have to have some patience, know that it takes time? You know, and I think that, <laughs> that's probably one of the toughest questions I've ever been asked, so I'm not sure if I've ever been asked that before, so <laughs> thanks for throwing me that, that curveball. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is that fine line, so I think it's a culmination of a couple of things. First of all, to learn the process is the most important thing. Because, you know, it's kind of like that theory that um, Mike Tyson used to always say, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And, and we all have this great plan. Um, put yourself in, a, in the form of a boxer. I don't know if you're ready to go and fight Mike Tyson as your first fight. Yeah, right. I think, that, <laughs> I think the process is what gives you the rejection muscle. The process is what gives you the, the knowledge of who's going to stick around you. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when the times are bad, when your team starts off with you small, you see who's ready to dedicate their time. You see who's ready to think outside the box and to not get paid when things are not going well. You see who leaves. You see who uh, makes bad decisions. And as you go through that process, you, you start to master what works best. You also get a lot of rejections. The door closed, slammed on you a couple of times. You start to really say, is this something I really want to do? Mm-hmm. Are these the people that I really want to be around me? And Am I doing the right thing? Mm. And as you go through that process, you start to, if, if you're doing the right thing or you're making progress, you start to get uh, satisfied off the progress you're making, moving up the ladder. And then when it's time to fight Mike Tyson, you want to make your mistakes small with him. So me, I like to say, if, if I had that Mike Tyson scenario in my life, well, my life was a punching bag, you know, all the way up to that part. Now, the problem becomes... When do you not only say you need to wait longer, or when do you say we've given it our best shot? Yes. And the most common thing that every single um, entrepreneur have in common is that they take affordable next steps. Mm-hmm. If the entrepreneurs out there who go out there and say, I'm going to take a $200,000 loan the first day on my home, I'm going to open up a shop. I don't know where the customers are coming from. I don't know what the right pricing on the food is. I don't know you know, the software on the, on the computers, what happens is if they cut out the process part, they turn around and by the time they have to figure out all those problems that they should have figured out with little to no money, they have a $200,000 loan on their business. They have to then close up the business because they can't pay it back and they haven't found the customer. So it really isn't a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. You know, Dave Ramsey says winners never quit. He goes, yeah, they do. They just quit the stupid stuff. They, they quit what they know they should be <laughs> quitting. Uh, I'm curious your take on that because you're a guy who, again, came from the streets, humble beginnings, but you're winning and you're winning well. But we, we, we see you on TV, right? And we think, oh, Damon John's got it figured out. What people don't realize, much like Michael Jordan said, is how many times he missed shots when the game was on the line. Uh, we tend to see oh, the wins. I'm, I'm, I'm missing more shots now than ever before. And <laughs> right, right, right. So how do you decide when is time to quit and say, you know what, I took a shot, I failed, let's move on? Because that's where sometimes people don't know when to let go, right? Yeah, it all goes back to three distinctive things that I think about during the process. I think about, number one, did I have a passion for whatever I was doing? Number two, did I do my homework and research on this new product category or challenge? And number three, did I surround myself with the right people? And and it always goes back to if one of those three things are missing, then I need to close the doors. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, so let's talk about the book. We, I wanted to dive into some of the book. It's, it's a fantastic formula. I want you to describe it in your own words. What, what have you done with this book, The Power of Broke? What have you given to readers? Yeah, so that's a great question. So to give the readers what this book is and what I've given to them is this. I went out and I told certain aspects of my story from the beginning and certain aspects of my story when I started to invest in hundreds of different companies in one form or another. And then I said, well, here is the common denominator I found between myself and these other individuals. Then I go out and I sit down and I learn from over a dozen of 
juggernaut superstars in their own industries in the world. So I go and I sit with Mark Burnett, you know, a guy who is the number one reality producer in the world, has a couple of shows you may heard of, The Voice Contender, Apprentice, something, some small show called Shark Tank, uh, you know, and things of that nature. And how did he come over here as a person who was uh, in the military in Europe? And you know what he decided to do with his first job? He became a nanny. Mm-hmm. Think about a Navy SEAL kind of guy being a nanny. Yeah. Um, and then he sold a couple of T-shirts along the beach, and now he's one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. If you don't want to understand how his uh, power broke work to get into the top of Hollywood, well, let's talk about a guy who happens to be doing now $4 billion a year. It's called Under Armour. He took on a couple of the big guys like Nike and Reebok and Adidas when they said he couldn't do that. Now he's doing $4 billion a year. Kevin Plank, how did, where did he get that desire from? Because at one time when he was crossing over a toll bridge after he had gotten turned down or spent his money, he didn't have enough money to clear the toll. And he had to basically bill mail to his house. Mm-hmm. He used the power broke. Or whether it's a Rob Durdak, the famous skateboarder who just turned skateboarding into Fantasy Factory and, you know, is one of the major stars on network. Or I tapped into all these type of individuals and every single one of them related and or explained how the best times and the times that they learned the most in their career were when they absolutely had nothing. And that is what basically geared them up to be the person that they are today. And more importantly, it gave them the tools of the power broke that they use today, even at, when they're at the top of their game. And, and that's, that's the common denominator I tried to find. And then I tried to give at the end takeaways that people can actually use to apply to their life, no matter what they're doing. Well, folks, I love the formula, and uh, you know we have a lot of authors on this podcast, and this is a fun formula, a lot of big-time names. I don't even have time to run through them all, but just a really cool formula. Uh, Damon, I, I've got to ask, because I know people want to hear this, and I know you get asked a lot of questions on Shark Tank, so uh, hopefully I'll ask some that maybe haven't been asked or will get a different perspective. But uh, I, I'm curious, as a business guy the entrepreneur's entrepreneur, you're sitting on that set, and this is made for television, so there's so much going on behind the scenes that it doesn't actually look and feel like we see on the final product. I know that. But when these people are coming up in front of you, what's your favorite part of that role? When you're, when you're in full character there, and it's real, but I mean, what is your favorite part of that show? Ooh, favorite part of that show. Is it when you're jostling with the other investors, the other sharks, or is it when you get that one-on-one time? No, there's going to be several parts of that. So to, to give all the listeners a little bit more in-depth understanding of this, none of it's scripted. This show, the reality of it, this is as real as it gets. So we don't know anything about those entrepreneurs. Those people are up there anywhere from 20 minutes mm. to two and a half hours. Wow. You only see eight minutes of it. We are yelling at them. They're yelling at us. Everything's going on. It's crazy. Um, and we don't close the deals until three, six, or nine months after. And I'm about at an 80% close ratio. Okay. Now, 80% of what you choose to support. So when we see you say, all right, I win, I invest, you're 80% of those deals you're closing? Yes. Okay. Now, and out of the 80% of those deals, the, the where you may see the 20% that don't close, and maybe for various reasons, you know, maybe we didn't get to ask a question about some financing, or maybe uh, maybe some of the stuff is not in order. None of them intentionally lie, um, and maybe sometimes we realize we don't like the person. Mm. 
personally. So what what do I love about sitting on the panel? I love, first of all, put it in order. I love seeing people that walk up and I go, ah, this person is not going to be anything, but I like the person. And then all of a sudden, bang, they hit you with a ridiculous number. <laughs> That's just, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're not looking too stupid now, right? Right, right, right. Um, and then there's the people up there who have, what do you think is a good idea, this and that, but you love the person. Mm-hmm. You're like, I want this person on my team, or I want to be on this person's team. And how is there a way for you to invest in your dream? I want to roll with you on this. Mm. Because like the entrepreneurs who listen to your podcast, when you see a person that is not going to stop, will not stop, and will never be stopped, it's so infectious. You're like, how can I be part of this ride? Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to figure this thing out. Right? And then the final and the best part is, the fighting with the other sharks. <laughs> of course. That is, you know, we're competitive, right? Um, nobody on the panel has as much as uh, Mark Cuban. Sure. Right? The guy has more than enough money. So to be able to play a mental chess game and beat Mark Cuban or beat Barbara when she's playing a certain angle or beat the QVC queen, or, or it's easy to beat up, beat up on Kevin. Let me go. He just does hard deals, right? <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> Or to be Robert, to do that and to find yourself a new partner and hopefully empower those people where they're going to go out and empower other people, mm-hmm. that it's such, a, it's such an amazing feeling. Yeah, that has to be a rush. No, you're, you're trying to get behind something that you believe in. I want to go back a second because I'm fascinated, and I think we can all learn from you, Damon, on, on something you said. It was the second part of the show that you love, and that's the idea of you kind of see somebody that you just like. It's one thing for somebody to make a presentation to you that just we all sit at home, we go, that's impressive, that sounds like something I'd invest in. We get that. But when somebody doesn't have a great product and probably doesn't have a great plan, but they're so stinking likable, I think there's something for us all to learn there. Because you said something that I really locked in on, and that is you wanted to try to help them. And so I want you to speak yeah. to that. When, when you don't have all your act together, likability, humility goes a long way, doesn't it? Listen, I always say the only thing that's more important than the number is the person. And you have to think about it like this. We're never going to create anything new in this world again. Right. Ever. Right. Ever again. What we're going to create is another form of delivery, another, you know, instead of seven-minute abs, we're going to create six-and-a-half-minute abs, something of that nature. At the end of the day, what we're going to do is we invest in people. We believe that we invest in people. And that's it. So... You're going to fall in love with a person. Now, think about it. When con men and con women go out to take advantage of people, what are you really investing in? You're investing in the person. They've managed to disguise themselves at such a high level where you have some level of trust where you're going to invest in them. And by far, the most important aspect of a business is a person because even if I fail with this person that I'm going to do business with, we're going to create another business after that. And real entrepreneurs do that. Real entrepreneurs who are problem solvers, they don't necessarily look at the great resumes that everybody has. They look at the person. They say, am I going to be able to, you know, once, once, you, once somebody gives you a resume, the resume goes out the window. You just want to know if you can stand working with the person for the next, you know, five years, mm-hmm. nine hours a day. Yep. That's right. So it's really about a team. And it's really about people. That's the end of the day. That's it. And the people I made the most money with in my life have been people that I've had fun with. I've loved their integrity. We're on the same level. We agree to disagree, but either whatever the case is, we uh, we see everything eye to eye. I love that. All right, Damon, final 
word from you. I just want you to encourage. We have a very large audience of men and women, business people, small business leaders, uh, personal growth junkies. They're very intentional with their lives, and we're starting off a new year here. Uh, What would you say to encourage? If you could have lunch with each one of these listeners and share one thing from your head or your heart to encourage them on their journey, what would you say? You know, there's a fine line about what we have to do and what we want to do, and, and how do we get more of what we want to do instead of what we have to do. And I always, no matter what, and I even have to apply to myself, is I always tell them you have to set and stay to your goals that you set every year. And you have to be really, really ambitious with them because even if you fall short, you're succeeding. But you also have to be very disciplined in regards to that. And that's what I'm saying. The only way to achieve these goals are the first person that you have to be honest with is yourself. Because many of us are not really honest with ourselves and what we really want or why we're taking this action. Do we want it for fame or fortune? Do we want it to impress somebody? Do we want it to hopefully, uh, you know, empower our lives or feed our families? What is the real purpose behind your goal? And many of us aren't honest with ourselves. Mm. Good stuff. He is Damon John. The book, brand new, in stores everywhere, online. You can get it wherever books are sold. The Power of Broke, How Empty Pockets, a Tight Budget, and a Hunger for Success Can Become Your Greatest competitive advantage. Damon, we know you're busy. We know you're in the middle of the book tour, but our audience is very grateful. I know we're all better for it. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, folks, if you want to get the book, it's wherever books are sold. Or of course, you can go to the book website, powerofbroke.com, powerofbroke.com. Chapter five of the number one New York Times bestselling book, Entree Leadership, from Dave Ramsey, is entitled No Magic, no mystery. And we're going to give you this excerpt of Dave reading from the audiobook and specifically on the momentum theorem. This is a big deal around here. So big that once every team member hits their one year anniversary, we get a coin. Dave calls us out publicly in front of the whole team and congratulates us to the applause of everybody in the room. And you get this really nice coin. I'm not talking like a penny. I'm talking like, you know, this thing's huge. It's, it's got some girth to it. And it has the Momentum Theorem on it. If you'd ever heard of the Momentum Theorem, well, good news. Dave's going to explain it here. And this is such a fantastic idea. And if you can really grasp it, I think it's breakthrough stuff for you personally and professionally. Here's Dave reading from Chapter 5 of Entree Leadership. The Momentum Theorem. Momentum is an interesting and somewhat elusive thing. When you have momentum in an area of your life, you look better than you are. When your star is shining, everyone thinks you are smarter and prettier than you really are. It seems like everything you touch turns to gold. All your ideas are great, and you can do little or no wrong. Things seem to go right, just because things are going right. When business, marriage, or life is like this, you definitely look better than you actually are. Conversely, when you don't have momentum, you are better than you look. It seems that everything you touch turns to poop, not gold. Everything that can go wrong does. It feels like you are living in the middle of a bad country song. It is tough to come to work on time, and every quote sounds like a cliche. When you don't have momentum, you are definitely better than you look. What we had discovered is that momentum is not a random lightning strike, but on the contrary, it is actually created. 
The formula to create momentum is what I decided to teach our team so they could grasp that this huge publicity break, when looked at over the scope of a business's life, was really not random. Unstoppable, huge momentum is created. And here is the formula. Focused intensity over time multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. Let's start with focus. Almost no one in our culture can stay focused. We can't watch a TV show through without surfing channels. In business, we can become so short-sighted that we jump erratically from idea to idea, from product to product. Companies whose stock is publicly traded often fall victim to worrying about Q1 profits so much they lose focus on the future. The whole culture has become afflicted with ADD. So much so that anyone or any business that can maintain its focus has an almost unfair advantage in the marketplace. I was speaking to an NFL rookie camp and afterward got to talking to a veteran player, one of the league's best wide receivers. The actual physical intelligence of an NFL player is amazing. Those men can do things with their bodies and a football in a nanosecond that blows your mind. I never realized this fact watching them on TV, but standing on the sidelines and watching the game up close, it is amazingly fast and violent. What I didn't grasp was that if an NFL quarterback wanted to, he could total your car with a football. His speed and accuracy is scary, and he does all this while another man the size of a Kia is trying to kill him. So I asked this veteran wide receiver a facetious question. How is it that you get paid $10 million a year to do one thing, catch a football, and then sometimes you drop it. I smiled, hoping he would let me live. (laughs) He smiled back and told me that if the ball is thrown correctly, there is only one reason that the ball would not be caught. Loss of focus. He told me that players lose focus for a lot of reasons off the field, but in the moment of the game, there are two primary reasons they lose their focus and drop the ball. The first reason they lose focus is fear. The same applies to you and me. Fear will cause you to lose focus every time because you're looking at all the potential for failure instead of concentrating on success. It was hard for me to imagine this specimen of a man before me being afraid of anything. He explained to me that when the announcer says he heard footsteps, that statement is not a metaphor. When a 310-pound man is chasing you with world-class speed, you literally hear footsteps that signal a huge amount of pain is going to follow. That signal of impending pain generates actual fear, which can cause you to lose focus and drop a ball, even if you are paid $10 million to do one thing, catch a football. The second reason wide receivers, you and I, lose focus is greed. In the case of the football player, he looks at the end zone and has scored in his mind before he has actually caught the ball. So when he turns back to catch the ball, he is too late and misses. Football coaches teach the player to look the ball in, meaning to keep their focus until the catch is made, and then and only then turn their attention to the touchdown. When business people get greedy, they take their eye off the good of the customer and lose focus. Greed takes you out of the moment and into a sense of celebrating victories that have not yet been earned. Dancing before you get to the end zone makes you look foolish. Combine focus with intensity. Intensity is an interesting thing. 
Some people don't think of themselves as intense until they find something they care deeply about. Oftentimes, we can be intense about the wrong things. I can get really intense when someone cuts me off in traffic. What a waste. We should be intentional about our intensity. Our intensity must purposefully be directed at things that really matter and purposefully not directed at things that don't. Since we are talking football, I will admit to being a season ticket holder to my Tennessee Volunteers and my Tennessee Titans. I was at a Titans game recently when the temperature was somewhere way below freezing, which for a Southern boy is totally unacceptable. I looked down about 10 rows in front of me and saw this big-bellied 50-something-year-old guy with his shirt off and painted completely blue. I get doing that as a college student, but I had to wonder about this guy. He is obviously intense about his Titans, and I'm sure CBS and the players think that is awesome. But I couldn't help thinking, is this guy that intense about his career, about his marriage, about his kids, or even about his health? I made the judgment call that he probably was suffering from misplaced intensity. My suggestion is that you metaphorically paint yourself blue, because passion and intensity are two of the hallmarks of the entree leader. But don't be intense about the wrong things. I want to make sure I'm intense and focused when working on things that matter. If I'm willing to lose my voice yelling for someone else to be successful on the football field, I should also be serving in my leadership role with great intensity. I should be engaged in conversation with my wife of 30 years with even more intensity than when we were dating. I should pursue friendships and my spiritual walk with fervor. I should be passionate about work that matters. Now apply focused intensity over time. Most people can focus if they concentrate, and most people can be intense for a while. Focused intensity at some level can be achieved by most people if and when they care enough about a certain outcome. However, few people can add the next element of the formula for very long, time. Focused intensity over time. A child can have focused intensity in the grocery store for five minutes when they see a cookie they want. Some adults can have focused intensity for a week or a month. And when they do, we usually applaud them and notice the movement in their lives. When you can find an individual who can stay focused with intensity on a certain task or subject for a whole year, you have a very unusual person, and they will create such synergy in their lives that they likely can coast off that momentum for a while. Writing and publishing a book is about a year of focused intensity. I wrote my first book, Financial Peace, in 1992, and that is still selling thousands of copies a year. A year of intense exercise and watching what you eat will likely change the trajectory of your life physically. You will melt away fat, tone up muscle, feel better, and change your habits, likely for life. But only 10 days of that exercise program won't move the needle on the scale. To create big-time success, you have to stay focused and stay intense over an extended period of time. If you can find someone who can stay on mission, on task, with focused intensity for an entire decade, I will show you someone who is world-class in their chosen area of endeavor. They are likely a national brand or will be. In his great book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell writes that one of the keys to unusual heights of success is spending 10,000 hours of practice at your chosen craft. 
the Beatles spent countless hours playing at summer festivals before you ever heard of them. Peyton Manning, widely regarded as one of the best quarterbacks ever to play football, has been known for his work ethic since he was a child. I just won my first Marconi Award, which is an Academy Award for radio of sorts. And afterward, I counted up that I've been on the air for over 10,000 hours. Remember, you work your tail off for 15 years, and you are suddenly an overnight success. Businesses and entrepreneurs have become experts at microwaving rather than crockpotting their business plan. They are so worried about the moment, Q1 or Q2, that they lose their vision and their soul. They trade real, rich, abiding, deep success for the momentary win, and then are constantly having to start over. Have a long-term vision and execute it. Now, take the result of these steps and multiply by God. I am a really focused person, and I am very intense. Some people who are world-class have focused intensity over long periods of time. However, I am finite. My skills, abilities, and talents have a limit, and so do yours. So as a person of faith, I am convinced that my limited effort should be multiplied by the infinite God. So when the step of faith is added to my comparatively puny effort, the cause in question can literally explode. If you are trying to get momentum in your marketing, business, marriage, your physical condition, or your parenting, take your best focused intensity over time and multiply it by God for unstoppable momentum. Hope you enjoyed that. Now listen, you can get the book at DaveRamsey.com. DaveRamsey.com, just click on store and you can get Entree Leadership. Uh, It really is the playbook. It's an interesting book in that it is kind of this biographical story, if you will, of the business itself, Ramsey Solutions, but it also is the playbook. It is a one-two punch, and I think it's a must-read for anybody who takes this podcast seriously and that you listen because you want to grow. If you've not bought the book, you need to get it. DaveRamsey.com. Click on store. Well, uh, the team uh, under John Falcons, our head coach, you hear him on the on the podcast quite regularly, and uh, John leads a fantastic team of coaches at Entree Leadership, and they're always doing these webinars that you can dive into. And we've got a new one, and it's free. That's right, absolutely free. And uh, it's debuting on January 29th, 1 p.m. Central. January 29th, 1 p.m. Central. Get it on your calendar. It's free. And here's what John and the team will be talking with you about. Mastering the art of leading with goals. Mastering the art of leading with goals. Just a few of the things they'll cover. How to properly set goals for you and your team. How to drive the right behavior. How to move your business forward. Essentially, how do you come up with a great game plan? Here's how you get in. You text Entree Leadership. That's right, the word no spaces all together. Entree Leadership to 33444. 33444. Text the word Entree Leadership to 33444. And uh, you will get signed up. The team will take care of you, tell you everything you need to know to get signed up. Again, January 29th, 1 p.m. Central, Mastering the Art of Leading with Goals. This is a great webinar. If you can do it, jump on it. Also, if you don't want to text, but you still want to sign up online, you can do that by going to entreleadership.com slash podcast. entreleadership.com 
slash podcast and click on this episode with Damon John and the link will be there for you and you can sign up. Hey, listen, I want to also mention there's not a whole lot of time left before our Entree Master Series. Just about a month and a half. March 13 through 17. Four days here on the premises of Ramsey Solutions. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, you're going to hear from Dave, Ramsey Personalities, Chris Hogan, Christy Wright. Uh, but this is that new format we've been telling you about, where the first three days, teaching, 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 just dumping it on you. Day four, we spend the entire day distilling what you've learned and helping you apply it so that when you walk back into your environment, you're ready to roll. You're not just overwhelmed with all the information that you've been given. EntreeLeadership.com slash EMS. EntreeLeadership.com slash EMS. We'd love to see you there March 13 through 17. EntreeLeadership.com slash EMS. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Entree Leadership Podcast. So grateful to Damon John for his time and to you, the listener. I want to always say and always mean it as we wrap up that on behalf of our producer, Eric Anthony, and the entire Entree Leadership team, we are grateful that you listen. We'll talk with you again very soon.